It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. Making the backup plans for backup plans for backup plans. I, I think we're certainly there. You are at a point where you've got to take a look at all these potential options. If you're a CFL club and the CFL has to say, okay, what if? You are listening live to Quick Kicks, a presentation of Third Down Gamble. Tonight, a very special guest from Maryland in the U.S. of A., Mark Perry, XFL News Hub. Would I call you creator, host? What are you with that? Creator, host, editor, yeah, the whole thing. That's kind of it. Where did that come from? Where did you, or how did you get involved with that? My claim to fame is that, so I've been creating content sites, mostly wrestling websites since I was in college. So you're going back 20 years. I've always followed the WWE and Vince McMahon. And when Vince McMahon said he was going to do the XFL in 2018, I was like, I had, at the time I was looking towards trying to get out of the wrestling business. I frankly, I hate the WWE product. It's terrible. And you'd watch it and you'd be disappointed constantly. And I was just kind of done. And so I was like, all right, well, let me just put my eggs in one basket, which is the XFL. And I'll, I'll ride this wave with Vince and see what happens. So we started uh, XFL News Hub in 2018. And for a year, we just basically focused on doing content from the past, the 2001 season. So we talked about Tommy Maddox and He Hate Me and Cheerleaders Controversy. Just really just kind of building some content up until a year later then you got bob stoops getting involved and that's when i kind of sold my wrestling website and kind of got out of that business and then started moving into focusing on xfl and at the time it was the xfl and aaf and i was like i don't know did i pick the right one and i just barely started watching aaf football and then they went under and then it was like all right it's just going to be us and you know there was a couple other sites out there and by the time the season was over it was just me and another guy i pulled in from that was doing wrestling content i had like 15 writers guys doing video i mean we were ready to rock and roll uh you know sponsorships the whole deal and then just everything collapsed at that point but then we were became number one and got a lot of great writers and now we're just kind of following what's leading next and so that's kind of the origin story of xfl news hub so where did football come into your life how how is it that you want to be a writer for the xfl and follow the xfl i mean i grew up as a jets fan i'm from new york so i i was a jets fan then moved out to maryland and went to college in salisbury maryland salisbury university and then um i was communications major but I was like, man, communication stinks and there's no money in it in radio and television. But this computer thing, man, this sounds pretty interesting. So I, and I, so I started getting involved with software and stuff. And then I moved out to a state in Maryland. And I wound up living in Baltimore when the Ravens won their Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl. I was in Baltimore when that happened. And it was a really cool experience. And I kind of just took the city of Baltimore as my own. And so I kind of switched allegiance from the New York Jets to the Baltimore Ravens, season ticket holder. Uh, then they won the Super Bowl again. I have like a little like mock ring that they gave all the season ticket holders when they won again. So I've always been a football fan. Um, I was a huge NFL fan for a while. And then it was starting to wane a little bit. You know, like it kind of reached its peak for me. And then that's, and it was kind of like, 
a God thing to me. And it was like the XFL started coming around. I was like, this, this could be interesting. And, and then I totally into the XFL at that point. And now I don't really care. I mean, I, I'm interested in like everybody was like, Oh, did you watch the draft? It's like, yeah, maybe 10 minutes. I was more interested in the CFL draft. I think one of the things that's been interesting about this journey with the XFL is learning the background of all these players. Like you think like, Oh, Patrick Mahomes makes these guys make all this money. Most of these guys get cut multiple times. I just wrote an article today that two guys from uh, the Houston Roughnecks got cut from the Dallas Cowboys um, and, and they were signed to futures contracts and then a couple, you know, the draft happens. And there's like this whole world outside of the NFL world where these guys are bouncing around in different franchises. And, and that's what really kind of and I just enjoy that. And I'm like, enjoy like putting it out there and there's a big audience for this kind of non NFL football out there. The backstories of a lot of these players is amazing. Uh, we've had a lot in the CFL that Delvin bro, for instance, and his story is just unbelievable. So everybody th thought it was over when the XFL went bankrupt. And <clears throat> I personally believe two things. I think Vince McMahon never wanted to get rid of the XFL. I think he, I've talked to multiple people from different sides within the XFL that are around the XFL. And I think Vince McMahon was spooked by the pandemic because it was going to affect the WWE. That's his bread and butter. And that's all event driven gate, just like kind of the CFL. Well, I mean, not, I mean, he basically, honestly, WWE only makes their money from Saudi Arabia and TV contracts now. That's why they still have all this money. And so I think he was scared that WWE was going to go under. And so he was, he put it in bankruptcy. Now, some people believed during the bankruptcy proceedings on the other side of the token thought that he put the XFL into bankruptcy so that he could buy it back without all that debt. Because if he kept going, he's going to have to pay everybody. You could furlough people. You know what I mean? It would be expensive. And he knew that essentially it would be years before he could put the product back on the market because they are just like the CFL. Well, they run with gate and they didn't have a TV contract. So they were in worse position than the CFL. The initial thought was, let's get us on TV, grow the popularity of the league. And then in two years, we can get a TV contract. Now they only went five games, but places like Fox were like, yes, we like what you're doing. They were into it. Like basically everybody who was involved with the league was like, yes, this is a hit. This is going to make it. They have the, the formula is all set and then the pandemic happened and then that was it. But then after that happened, you know, then it was when they declared bankruptcy, it was like this chapter 11. And cha I mean, this is all stuff I had no clue about. And it was like chapter seven is versus chapter 11. And it was like, well, there's still a chance. And there's still like a couple people left. And it was still like, just hold out and see what happens. And all of a sudden, boom. The Rock and Danny Garcia and Redbird Capital came together. They were both bidding on it. And then there was a third party that was also bidding on it. And apparently theirs didn't, their proposal didn't make it for whatever reason. And then they combined the Redbird and Danny Garcia and The Rock. And then they purchased it. There was up to 30 or 40 entities who had signed agreements to see the books 
of the XFL, but only three, I think it maybe have been five, said that they were going to put a bid in and then three did, one wasn't good enough, and then the two combined, and then that's where we're at today. Now, technically, if I, my memory serves, they didn't really get to an auction for the team. The, the $15 million was accepted prior to the auction. Is that right? Well, yeah, because there was nobody to auction it against. They basically combined Redbird and Danny Garcia and The Rock. I think somehow, who knows what happened, but it was like, hey, maybe we want the same thing. Let's not bid against you, so let's work together. And I think that's kind of how it – because, yeah, there was no, like, auction. It just kind of was like, here's the, here's the group, and then that's it. So you mentioned Vince McMahon and a possibility that he may have – read it to buy it back at some point. Do you think that's still a possibility? Do you think the owners now would even consider that? No, he's he's 100% out. And I know for a fact that he's very excited and happy. He wants the XFL to succeed in the fact that Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia, who approached Vince McMahon back in 2018 when he re- said he was going to relaunch the league, Danny Garcia spoke with Vince McMahon and said, I would love to buy a franchise off of you. And he said, nothing is for sale. It's all under one thing, but thanks. But basically she had said in, in, in an interview that she had tried to get in even back then. And he was like, no. And so the story goes, they declare bankruptcy. Danny called up DJ, Dwayne Johnson, and said, hey, we should buy the XFL. And he was like, you're smart. You know what you're doing. So yes, let's do it. And then the rest is history. They basically got the league for a song. Yeah, and as much as it's criticized by some in the media up there for the twice-failed league, there is a ton of everybody I talked to, former employees, everything was like, this was a hit. This was working. We would be here today if it wasn't for COVID. And it was the business model. I mean, they took two years to put this thing together. It was a year of testing for the, um, the rule book. They, they designed a different football. I actually have one of the XFL footballs. I mean, this is a podcast, but you can't see it. But like the grip of the football. And they, and they thought of every single detail. And I think that's why we're where we're at today with the CFL. And when you hear the CFL talk in their statements, and they mention business model, business model multiple times, is because that is one piece of the puzzle of the interest of the CFL and the XFL. It's like, well, how did you guys do this? Like, how did you... How did I mean, I, I was in D.C. and I was a season ticket holder to give you a perspective how popular it was at the time it went down. So I bought my season tickets for four games for 200 bucks. So it was like 25 a game or something like that. Right. 50 a game, whatever it was. I wind up and I couldn't get anybody to go the, the week that they were just about that. The season got canceled. I put them on and I got two hundred dollars for one game, two seats that paid for my whole season tickets. That's how popular it was. It, when I went to games, it was families. It was affordable. It was young people. I mean, the beer snake, that's like the famous thing that happened. I mean, I was there like looking at a cross, like, what are these people doing? And they're touching all these. Now I couldn't, I had spoken with the president, former president of the DC defenders, Eric Moses. And we were talking about that, like, you know, they were concerned at that game because this whole COVID was happening that they would have to block people from making the beer snake again because you can't like, you just can't have that happen. Everything shut down and he didn't have to deal with, with that particular thing. 
but it was working. Everything was working. They were going to open up seating in St. Louis uh, and add another like 30,000 seats. They were going to open seats in Seattle. Now, Tampa, eh, that was doing okay. New York is a tough market. LA is, is a tough market too. And But you know some of these other markets, it was all working. Then it just all came down to a crashing halt. That was it. You're mentioning a couple of cities that are struggling. And one of the things that I thought about was they are in cities that have NFL teams. Would it be not more beneficial to the XFL to move to cities where there is no NFL team? Portland, San Diego, Oakland, San Antonio, Hartford, Norfolk. There's a whole bunch out there that are yeah. probably available. Because remember, when they were putting the league together, the AAF was still existed. So what they wanted to do is avoid those places. And the idea was, is that to put our, our franchises in big markets right now. Because one of the things that Oliver Luck had said was that, yes, there's like 80 or 120 million, something like that, football fans in the United States. And if you could just get 20%, 30% of those football fans, that's all you need. And you're just as big as MLS or NBA, NHL type numbers. And so they decided to put everybody in the big markets because that's where the money is. And that's where the, the, the most densely populated areas are. And that's why they picked those markets. They were always going to do New York. They're always going to do L.A. Even though, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in those cities. But, I mean, you're talking about in the springtime, people are fans of of multiple sports. So they could, you know, walk and chew gum. They can be Jets fans and, and, and Guardians fans. You know what I mean? They can be Yankees fans. That was kind of the the idea too. And, and they're looking for sponsorship money. I've talked to people after the league went down. I mean, I have people contacting me in big cities like Alabama. I mean, and there's some others and they're like, we want to franchise in our city. How do we do it? I'm like, I'm just a guy who runs a news site. But these are the people that you need to talk to and the interest out there. And that's what's interesting about the CFL, XFL talk. Whatever this partnership is, I, I've gone on record and I, I was going with the flow because everybody was saying merge. I still think it's going to be some type of hybrid league crossover a little bit, but they're kind of going to be separate entities. Because if you're the XFL, why battle to try to deal with Toronto and its situation when you can just put a franchise in Chicago? the same size city you have like you said you have all these other cities in the u.s why deal with the rules changes and the there's mlsc and they want this and then there's teams that are owned by this you know the area and not they don't have an owner and all this kind of problem and i think that's the kind of stuff that they're trying to figure out now and that's why i just don't see this full merger business happening at all i know in cfl circles the word merger doesn't rest well no, it doesn't. It does not at all. And we have found that too because we're, you know, here's like the little XFL fan, like, yeah, our league is going to be back. Oh, cool. We're going to have friends up north. This is going to be so much fun. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, get out of here. We don't want you. And it's like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, but we, we could still, no, 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 no. We have our rules. We've been doing this for a hundred years. You have barely been around. You're not invited to the party. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, that, all right. And then, the, but at the same time, I would say as much as I see stuff on Twitter, like I get personal messages all the time and people are like, Hey, you don't want to say it in front of your friends, but yeah, we want a merger. I've heard people say like, Oh, I'm so sick and tired of the same teams playing over and over again. It'd be nice to mix it up. And I think the, the XFL is aware of that. And that's why I'm like, I, I, I just don't see it 
at least anything announced anytime soon. There is no way that they would come out and be like, we're going to be a full merger and we're going to change the rules. Oh, and pay us for your you know, 2021 season tickets. Because people are going to be like, no, 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 no. You know what I mean? So you're not going to hear anything until January or February at best. CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. So when they bought the league, it was pretty early on. They were like, we're not going to have a 2021 season because of COVID. And I was like, oh, yeah, makes sense. Like you just bought the league, even though they were basically during the whole process of the bankruptcy and everything as part of their literature. I mean, I even saw it, too, was like, hey, you could just flip the switch and we're ready to go. If somebody buys this league, we could flip the switch in the fall and we're ready to and we can get this league going. I think when they bought it, they realized, like, you know what? It's just too soon. We can't do it. But our own Mike Mitchell, he noticed that uh, Danny Garcia started following the CFL back in October. So they bought the league in August. And by October, she's following the CFL. So supposedly they were even interested in before they even finalized the XFL stuff, purchasing the league, that they were actually talking about the CFL even back then and doing something. What would motivate them? What What is their reason for getting involved in the first place? Are they seeing the CFL with its provenance because it has been around for so long that that would be a great asset to, to talk to? I think it's a combination of everything boils down to a TV contract. And part of me thinks that there's a couple reasons. It's, it's, it's the TV contract to be able to, but, but also at the same time, it's trying to prop up the CFL as well. For the XFL to succeed, they need to have a good partnership with the CFL because they can't go head to head. You can't start bidding on players. So they need to basically work together if they both want to succeed because they both take each other out. You know, could you imagine the bidding war for players with the XFL with not a lot of money and then the CFL with not a lot of money, like going at it? So they need to have some kind of um, partnership when it comes to that. And also, it's the global thing. As much as people poo-poo the whole global initiative, and it's like, I'm like, dude, it's like a year or two old. But I get the concept and where it's going. I think they believe, and I've you know heard Dave Naylor talk about it. It's it's about you know there's there's an American football league, there's a Canadian football league, there's a Mexico football league, there's a Europe football league that play in the spring. There's plenty of opportunity for players. Because if they're a player-focused league, they want to create opportunities. And I think that's kind of like the vision of where they want to go with this thing. Now, how does that work? How do they do the rules? All that kind of stuff is, I think right now, it's like, yeah, this is where we want to go. But right now, we need to focus on helping our friends up north to get their business model set and going so that they're financially stable and they have something uh, to work with up there. In some ways, is it easier for the XFL to have a strong business model because there is just one ownership group for all the member clubs, where in the CFL you have nine, at times, very desperate views of what the business model should be? Yeah, and that's what makes it easy for the XFL. I mean, one of the things um, when Vince McMahon hired Oliver Luck, I believe Oliver Luck's, the only reason why Vince McMahon knew who Oliver Luck was is because the AAF wanted to hire Oliver Luck. 
And he was like, nah, I'm not interested because there's all these different parties. And he had said what works with the XFL and the only way spring football would work is if there's one central owner, one person that you have to talk to. And that's why he signed on with Vince McMahon because it was like him and Vince and that was it. So he needed, he could make his decisions and you didn't have to deal with the problems that you're dealing in Canada with all these, you know, this owner wants to do this and this, this place wants to do the other thing and blah, blah, blah. And that's why I, I just don't see like this kind of, the, this kind of merger talk because you can't you can't fix that if you're the XFL it has to just run by itself and then if you're an idea of, of trying to do a global league then how, how are you going to do that in Mexico how are you going to do that in Europe these leagues have to run by themselves but in partnership somehow and I think that's that's the future here well I think a large part of Ambrosi's 2.0 CFL was the expansion into the rest of the planet. And one of the things that I think he was hoping was, A, to elevate the game across the world. But B, if you have players from the Netherlands, from Mexico, from Japan, playing North American professional football, guess what? There's an audience that comes with it. Oh, yeah. Yao Ming is the perfect example playing in the NBA. You bring that market of China in, forget about it. I mean, I, I was around when the Knicks, um, oh, gosh, what's his name? It was like a huge thing. Jeremy Lin was playing Lin Sanity. That, and he was, um, it was, I remember watching those games. It was so much fun. And just the interest that, that that's what they're looking for is to bring that lead. That's what separates that from the NFL. And that's, that's why I think that that's why they're talking is to kind of figure that thing, that piece out. A lot of our podcast has talked about staying in your own lane. In other words, that the CFL, because it's north of the border, is a little bit buffered from the NFL influence. But if there was ever a, uh, an opportunity to partner with the XFL, they would have to stay in its own lane, i.e. get away from the fall schedule. Is that something you think would have to happen? I mean, this is the problem with, with the CFL-XFL part. Like everybody says that I've heard as I'm like learning about the CFL game, and I'm no expert, and I've just been starting, you know, basically like two, three months, March, we found out, um, is that, you know, everybody says football season doesn't start until the fall for the CFL, right in the middle of the NFL season. So how, how can you possibly, and, and in a CFL situation where they need games, because they play a lot more games than the XFL did, how are you going to, how is that going to work? When that's where I think, and we had written an article about it, and somebody had posted, I think it was Jim Mullins or somebody, had posted a, a, a little, you know, breaking it up where like there was a championship game and then the CFL kind of finished and did its thing in the fall and the XFL stopped because there was the NFL. Like that all made sense. That's where I think that that makes more sense to me than anything else. The smart season, I don't think would ever work. I'm sorry. It just, and we've been over this in our podcast, but to have a championship and then what happens if you blow the knee of your starting quarterback and now you've got eight games to finish the season? I mean, that's the problem with the, the CFL part. But then how do you make up the difference by not having the fall games with your revenue? Well, I think the CFL could move. I think football is played in the fall in North America because it started in university. That's the only reason why we play football in the fall in the first place. So I don't think we're that wedded in an absolute sense that the CFL has to play. And, I, and I'm one that hates cold weather games. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I've sat in minus 20 to minus 25 weather for football more times than I care to remember. I would love to see this as a warm weather sport. When the XFL started, they were like, okay, well, we're going to have games right after the Super Bowl. 
That's in February. And in D.C., it's not like Canada, but in D.C., it was cold. I mean, me and my brother went to the first game. Me and my friends went in some games. I mean, we were like super bundled up. I'm like, oh, God, just forget. Don't worry about competing against baseball. Just put the just if this was March, April, May, June, July, August, when kids are out of school, it's a home run. But then there was the whole thing where, oh, the CFL, you know, you guys can't have games in March because of the weather. Because it's too cold or in certain areas. Yes, that's true. Well, where I live, it can be minus 20 in March, at the beginning of March. It won't be at the end of March. Gotcha. But I'm thinking if you did it, you could reasonably get away with starting in April. Yeah. And you could have a 16-week or an 18-week schedule and still finish up by Labor Day. There's no way that the XFL would be like, yeah, let's have our championship game right in the middle of NFL season and college football. Like, it's just like, you might as well just... Just close up shop. It's that it was not going to work. I also thought of like I think if they could, if everybody could switch the schedule, as long as those crossover games count. Now forget about the rules part because who knows what the deal is with that. The only reason why I was like leery on any CFL rules is I just know that this XFL spent over a year testing rules. So they worked with the spring league. And so Spring League used to have their games on. I mean, Johnny Manziel played in the Spring League, and that was like a big deal. Then they partnered with the XFL, and those games weren't – you couldn't watch those games anywhere because they were testing out the rules. And I know they tested – because I've spoken with uh, Oliver Luck at events. I mean, Oliver Luck, I met him multiple times as a media person and as like just a season ticket holder. I mean, all these guys were accessible. The the team presidents were having – get-togethers in bars and with the coaches. You could go out and meet the coaches and players on the teams. They'd be like, hey, we're just having an event in St. Louis. The team president's going to be there uh, giving out stuff, and so is the head coach. I mean, that was the kind of accessibility that they had, and players were there. But he was saying that, that they tried to do the halo rule for the punt from the CFL, and the American players just could not get it. And they were like, we just can't. Because originally... When they, when they first approached everybody and started talking about the rules, they were like, this is going to be a rule that we're going to do. And then after the rule book was finalized, they were like, no, we're not doing this because the American players just kept jumping into the halo and it was just, it was just a mess and they just couldn't do it because they were so used to how they played in the U.S. And so that's my only fear. I, and I've tried to get some of the people that were involved with the rules thing on my podcast this is the one question I want to ask them. Did you guys contemplate three downs? And if so, you clearly had to. Why didn't you do it? Or, you know, what was the decision behind not doing it? I always find it interesting that the no yards rule or the halo rule doesn't work because up here, Americans play the game and they learn it quick enough in training camp. That's what I thought, too. That's why. I, but this is this is what they said about that. And that, my, that was my same reaction. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But American players play in the CFL and they figure it out. If you don't figure it out, then you get cut. So, like, whatever. That that, but that was their reasoning behind it. So that that was that was kind of interesting. If you distill the differences between the two leagues, CFL is wide field, three downs, single point, goalposts on the goal line, motion, and twelve men. There are other nuances with the punt game and stuff like that, but that's the gist of what the differences are. If the two decide they want to go this route, does the CFL have to? move on all of them, some of them, one of them, none of them. Like The Rock is clearly have success with NBC and their property. So let's assume that NBC is probably in the lead 
at this point to some kind of TV contract with whatever this entity is going to be. It's if they're like, yeah, we'll give you forty-five million a year. I mean, think about so the show. That I also have a wrestling website and I follow AEW wrestling. They have Wednesday nights on TNT and their contract is $45 million a year. And it's like a hundred million dollar contract for three years. I think the XFL could easily get that and, and more. Um, they didn't in the beginning cause they were a non unknown entity and no, and, and it was like risk reward kind of thing. So if NBC is the one that's going to give you the contract, I wonder how much say they're like, listen, We've done our research. American fans are just not going to buy the three down game. So we can't, we're not going to give you a hundred million dollar contract, whatever it is. Then they're like stuck. They're like, well, you know what I mean? And, and that's really where it's going to boil down to is, is the contract. These guys have done their research. They know what's going to work. I think people would adapt to the three down game. I just think the problem is in the youth in Canada, they're playing Madden. College players are playing the four. I think four downs is going to be just because of that. People are playing Madden. People that go to, you know, um, college in the United States, all those football players that don't pay attention to the CFL, they're, they they go and play the, the four down game. I think that I think would switch all this other stuff. Hey, 12 men in the field, a wider field. I mean, it's the stadiums is the issue. I mean, you might not be able to play in certain areas. That all stuff is up for grabs, I think. I wonder if you could get somewhere in between the NFL size and the CFL size and call it good. Yeah, I mean, and they can figure that out. I mean, there's, you know, would they be able to play in D.C. at Audi Field? Probably not because, but I mean, there was still space, you know, could they get, I don't know. I don't know. That's, but I don't think they're at the rules yet. I think they're talking business model because my thing is, what if the CFL, now it looks like the CFL is going to have a season, but like, what if the CFL doesn't have a season? And then you hear all this rumblings, well, MLSE is more interested in their friendship with the XFL than they are with the CFL. And what happens if I heard something out there where it was like, and I threw this out there too. I was like, well, what if Toronto and Montreal decide to go with the XFL and then the CFL is a small, I've heard somebody mention that. And then the CFL was a smaller league. And then, but I'm like, I just don't think that's, that's the case. I don't think that's feasible either. So it's a weird, like we're just kind of in this holding pattern. We're not going to know anything until December. Where can people find Folia? So xflnewshub.com. We also started our sister site, CFL News Hub, very creative on our part, covering the Canadian Football League. So the idea is CFL News Hub will cover the CFL and also the global game. So that's Mexico and Europe. And then XFL News Hub will cover XFL and the Spring League and uh, fan control football. And it's interesting just to talk about, you know, that people forget that the Spring League is starting this week. They have they, all their games are on TV and they're on Fox. TSL would not be on television if it wasn't for the XFL because Fox was covering the XFL and and Fox bought it a stake. We don't know what it is in the Spring League. They're putting these games on national television, 3 p.m. on a Saturday, which is usually where baseball games would be on in Fox. That tells you where the American audience is. 
this is going to be interesting because if the spring league's ratings are good, this is going to help the XFL's position going forward. And if the XFL can show a package that, hey, it's not just us eight teams, but it's also we're doing something with the CFL, then I think everybody wins in the end. Excellent. Thanks for doing the show. I appreciate it. Sure. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio. Worth watching.